Well, good morning. Let me welcome you today. Wow. Didn't that choir do a great job? Yeah, man. Wow. Let me thank uh, choir, Carson, of course, and our tech team, everyone who put so much time and effort into that. And what a wonderful time of worship. Thank you, Carson. And uh, what a great job our choir did. Well, I have, uh, this is the time that the staff loves because they get to tell me how long I get to preach. So Carson said, you got about this much time, brother. You got to keep it right in there. So take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn, if you will, to John chapter 1. And uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 this morning as we continue in this series. And certainly, as you heard the choir sing a few moments ago about the thrill of hope. And this morning, I, I really want us to think about and look at one simple truth that we come out of this text, and that is simply that God speaks. The question, though, is we know that God speaks all the time. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. But the question that I want to ask, what does God say? When you look here in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, God makes a statement. And it's one of the most powerful statements you'll find. It, and it, it speaks about the birth of Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus Christ come? Well, first of all, I want you to look in verses 1 and 2 because, first of all, we find this is God's expression. He says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, what I want you to realize this morning is in the context of this verse, he's not talking about structure of sentences. He's not talking about grammar here. What he's talking about when he uses the word word is not just simply as we think about today, words that we speak, or as I said, thinking about structures of sentence. It is the Greek word logos, and it means to speak. It actually means with a message, with truth. So what I want you to realize is that when he uses this word here, what he's saying in this passage is that my final statement that I make to the world is not a message for the prophets. My final statement is not about ideology or even theology. It's not even about a system of thought, but my final statement of all eternity for all human history is a statement about a person. My final statement, the Father says, is this, it is Jesus. So family, when you think about Jesus, when you think about Christmas, we're not talking about emotions here, but rather we ought to be thinking about God's final statement that he makes to the world. That's why the writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Listen, he says, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You know what God just said in that one statement? He said, you want to know how much I care about you? You want to know how much I truly care about the world? You want to know the depth of my commitment and my love for you? I'm not going to just send you words. I will give you my son. Look at that phrase. He says, in the beginning was the word. That's in reference to creation. In other words, Jesus, the Son of the living God, was at the very beginning when God spoke this world into existence. Literally, Jesus is the agent of all creation. And look at this expression, was with God. It speaks once again of that eternal existence of Christ. I, you may remember last week I said in the message that Jesus did not become the Christ simply when he was born. Now, he became a man when he was born. But Jesus did not become the Messiah when he was born. He's always been the Messiah. He's always been the chosen one. He's always been the only begotten Son of God. He's always been the anointed one to come to take care of my sin and your sins upon the cross. 
John would say he was at the beginning with God before time ever began. And the Word was God. That speaks of his deity. If you were last Sunday, I shared with you about how the wise men, as we saw a few moments ago, just through the means of drama, how that they came and they brought gifts. And one of those gifts was that of gold, which spoke of his deity. It's an expression of the greatness of our God. But I want you to see also, he is also God's declaration. God makes this incredible statement. And what John does, John simply summarizes that statement about God. And what I want you to notice is that he gives this statement about the person of Jesus Christ in these three words. Again, it's the declaration. It's why the baby was in the manger. It is the confidence that you and I have today as believers in Christ. This is the thrill and the hope of Christmas. It is the declaration to all humanity, three simple words. He declares his glory, his grace, and his truth. He says, you want to summarize, you really want to know what Jesus is all about, why he came to this earth. He came to live, he came to die, and he rose again on the third day. John basically was what he was saying here in 1 John 1 and 3. He says, the things that I saw, the things that I held. In other words, what John was saying, listen, guys, this is not second-handed. This is something that I felt, that I saw with my own eyes. I handled the word of life. And so he's talking about this expression of glory and grace and truth. That's why Jesus Christ came to this world. He was born for glory and grace and truth. You say, where do you get that? Well, look at verse 14. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, notice, full of grace and truth. Think about it. We beheld his glory. He's saying we saw the glory of God in human history. You've got to be awful careful sometimes when people want to take you over to Philippians chapter 2 and they want to try to interpret Philippians 2 as though somehow Jesus Christ laid aside his deity. He did not lay aside his deity. He veiled it at times, but he never laid it aside. Had he laid it aside, it would contradict everything that John is writing here in the Gospel of John. The fact that Jesus himself says repeatedly throughout the Gospel of John, anyone that has seen me has seen the Father. And that's what he's talking about here, the glory of God. I think too many times at Christmas time we want to go back and think, well, you know, Jesus is just this great historical figure. No, he's more than a historical figure. He's more than a great prophet. John said, look, when he was resurrected, I, I sat with him. I ate with him. I saw him raise the dead. I saw him feed the 5,000. I beheld his glory. But the second declaration is that of grace. Look at verse 16. And from his fullness, we have all received grace. <laughs> I love this, upon grace. Notice the fullness that is defined here, grace upon grace, cascaded. It would be like the waves if they've just come cascading onto the shore, just grace upon grace and grace upon grace and grace upon grace. You see, God's predisposition for all of us is wrapped up in these three words, is wrapped up in love, mercy, and grace. I think there are too many times when things happen to us, especially during this time of the year, and uh, the song that Rachel sang is so beautiful. And I think all of us from time to time, we go through hard times, we go through difficult times, the loss of a loved one, 
maybe the loss of a job, things that are happening within our life. And I think sometimes we think, well, maybe God's mad at me. Maybe I disappointed God. Maybe I did something wrong. You need to understand something, family, this morning. And those of you watching online this morning, God's not mad at you. God loves you. Now, God hates sin. We know that. But what you have to understand is, is that in the birth of Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, Jesus Christ came, and when he came, listen to me, he brought favor upon us. Do you realize that God judged his own son so that he could pour out mercy and grace and favor upon you and me? In 1 John 2, he says this, that he is the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. You see, family, that is the message. It is the message of the gospel. It's the message of the glory of grace, but also truth. You understand that grace without truth is ultimately self-abuse. Truth without grace is also abuse. It's almost as though that you're into this self-imposed slavery. So he says, Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. Understand that grace doesn't erase truth no more than truth should ever obliviate grace. And to be honest with you this morning, the only way that any of us can ever really and truly appreciate grace is to be hit with the reality of truth. To finally come to the realization, I really and truly don't deserve his love and his mercy and his forgiveness I deserve hell, that's true. I am a sinner, that's true. I am imperfect, that is true. But you cannot separate grace until you embrace truth. So the Bible says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. In fact, it's anchored in what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He says, for I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to know truth? Then you discover it in a person. And his name is Jesus. That is the reason why Jesus Christ said, you shall know truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. So what do we learn from this? The fact that Jesus was from the very beginning. The fact that he came to show us grace and love and truth and mercy, that he came to demonstrate that. So let me give you, let me just give you three quick truths that you can apply to your life today. Number one, Jesus came at the right time for us. Have you ever stopped to think about this? There have been often times in my life I've stopped and paused and wondered, why was I born here? Why was I born to Norman and, and Alice Fry? Why was I born in Kennett, Missouri? Why was I raised in Missouri until I was eight years of age? Our home burned out on the farm. God moved us to Perigold, Arkansas, and we lived there. And then God moved me, you know, finally to Oklahoma, and I've lived here now 38 years. Why was I born at this time in history? Have you ever thought about the privilege that you have in the time that you have been raised and the time that you... Have you ever thought about why wasn't you and I born back in 1821? Why was I born now? Jesus came at the very right time. You and I were born at the right time. And family, listen to me. If there was ever a time that you and I ought to be spreading the gospel like never before, we ought to be more faithful in ministry, more faithful in discipleship, more faithful in giving, more faithful in using the gifts and the talents that God has endowed us with. Because I'm here to tell you there's going to come a day soon that Jesus Christ is going to return. And we better be found faithful. 
it's also the right time to turn to Him and to trust Him. Now is the time. It's always the right time. And the reason why I say that is because the Bible tells us that God's Spirit will not always strive with man. There'll come a time and a point in life where God says, you know what, enough is enough. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm coming for my bride. It's always the right time. Why? Because all of the provisions have already been made. The payment for your sin and my sin has already been made. How is it that you and I would not want to know and experience grace and respond to truth? It is always, always, always the right time when God pulls on your heartstring and you finally begin to realize, you know what, I cannot earn or work my way into the kingdom of God. And that by his grace and love and mercy, he presented to me the greatest gift of all, his son, Jesus Christ. However, listen to me, you can run out of time. See, I don't realize and recognize the fact that there are some of us in this room and those of you watching online, you're planners, you, you plan out your calendar, everything's organized. I don't care how well that you may plan, I don't care how well you may organize, I don't care how much you may know. Every one of us in this room know that there can come a time that God can finally look at us and say, you know what, I want my breath back. It's done. I was visiting with one of our church members just yesterday at the store and she shared with me about a loved one that was just sitting at home, sitting in the chair, and went home to be with the Lord. You never know. And that is the reason why the writer of Hebrews says this, the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. How many times have you sat in church and you heard a sermon you listen to beautiful Christmas music like this through the years. And you knew something was pulling and tugging at your heartstrings, but you stiff-armed God and you said another time, I, I got to get some things right. I, I got to straighten and clean myself up a little bit before I can come to Jesus. Can I tell you the time is always now? Who would not want to experience glory, grace, and truth? of knowing Jesus Christ, because every single obstacle, think about this, every obstacle has been taken care of. The only obstacle that you face is your choice, and it's a failure to believe. It is a failure to repent. It's a failure to say, God, I, I understand that I cannot work or earn my way into the kingdom of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross to die, to shed his blood, that I might have life, and not just life, but life brimful. That's that cascading of grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. You see, the ball is in your court. No one can make that choice for you. But I'm here to tell you this morning, as you have listened through music and as through the Word of God today, hear me this morning. If you will but pray that simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I agree with you that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross on my, in my behalf, in my place. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to save me right now. And if you pray that simple prayer, I've got great news for you. You just received the greatest gift you'll ever receive in your life because Jesus was born again in your heart and soul. And now you too can have the thrill of hope 
No matter what you face, no matter what you may endure, the good, the bad, the indifferent, no matter what we face in this life, this is not where we're going to spend eternity. But God has prepared an incredible place for His children. And the only way you get to go spend eternity with Him is because you know His Son, Jesus Christ, and He lives right here as your Lord and as your Savior. Today, you can experience the thrill of hope. Would you stand? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I come to you this morning and I pray that, Lord, that today through worship, through music, through just the simple teaching of your word for a moment, Father, that today you would just begin to pull back the facade. Lord, that you'll pull back the pretense, that you'll help us to look into our heart, not not justifying the fact that we are a Baptist or a Methodist or some denomination or that we've been baptized or we've been a member of the church for years. Lord, I want to know if I should die right now, do I know with all the certainty of heaven that I'm going to go spend eternity with you? The Father, today we can have that incredible relationship. And my prayer is that those that are watching at home today, Father, will just, if they've never given their life to Christ, if they're unsure of that peace and hope and knowing of that grace and truth, oh, Father, that today they would turn that chair, that sofa into an altar and they would invite Jesus into their heart and life. In this room this morning, Father, I pray that we would not be hindered by a large room full of people that we'd be more concerned about our eternity and that today we'd walk this aisle and take a pastor by the hand and say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. For those that you're calling to be a part of this church family by letter, by statement, by baptism, that today by faith they would walk out and say, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to join uh, hands and hearts and souls and I'm ready to grab a hold of the rope and I'm ready to use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given to me to bring glory and honor to Him. I want to come deposit my life here. Maybe to surrender to ministry. Whatever the need is today, people will find it here in this room. Not because of us. Because of the message of Jesus. Speak to hearts today. For I pray that in Jesus' name,